Welcome to the Marketing Technology Podcast. News, tools, and tips from marketing technology companies and the marketers using them. Here's Douglas Carr. Welcome to another in our interview series with the Marketing Tech Blog. Uh, we have on the line today, we have Giles House. Giles is the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Calidus Cloud. Uh, Calidus Cloud, uh, for anybody uh, who would like to check them out as they're listening, is C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-C-L-O-U-D. Uh, it's a global leader in cloud-based sales, marketing, learning, and customer experience solutions. Calidus uh, Cloud enables organizations to accelerate and maximize their lead-to-money process with a complete set of solutions that identify the right leads, ensure proper territory and quota distribution, enable sales forces, automate configure price quotes, and streamline sales compensation. So all of it, of course, to drive bigger deals. Um, Giles uh, is an experienced marketing executive with a proven track record at successfully marketing and selling business software and technology. At Calidus Cloud, he's responsible for the company's global marketing activities, product strategy, communications, brand, and sales enablement programs. Boy, that, that doesn't keep you busy, does it? Yeah, it keeps, it keeps me busy. Good to be with you, Douglas. Good to be with you. And for folks listening, Giles, uh, where does Calidus Cloud kind of begin and end as it's servicing a corporation? So, uh, you know, is it the uh, the salesperson that, you know, gets on Calidus Cloud, you know, and opens up the CRM and, and connects and sees the data uh, all the way through to a proposal and close? Uh, maybe you can just kind of explain where you guys fit you know, within, within uh, the organization from a sales and marketing standpoint? Well, yeah, it's, um, you know, where do we start and stop is a good question. Really, our, our proposition is to help um, our customers make more money. You know, we're, we're, we're very focused on that mission. And we do that basically by improving the, the customer journey, improving their interactions with their customers uh, it obviously starts uh, with marketing, improving um, the ability to engage prospects and, and generate leads that your sales force can close. You know, ultimately that's pretty important. And then it's and then it sort of focuses on as you get into the sales cycle, how to how to sales successfully advance that lead, um, turn it into a really good opportunity, and then you know win the hearts and minds, uh, convince the customers of the value proposition, and and quote them and propose them and configure the right solutions at the right price. And, you know, one of the, one of the big areas of the business is our incentives business, incentives and commissions. And that really helps to drive the behaviors for sales guys, obviously incentives and getting a good commission check at the end of the deal is very motivating. But at the same time, also we, you know, marketers are starting to think about, well, how can we use incentives for uh, driving performance? You know, so much of marketing now is, is data driven. There's so much science now involved in the process that, you know, we can measure these things and we can reward people and tie people to generating pipeline, generating quality deals, that sort of stuff. So it, it, it's a big, it's a big idea. Um, it really helps to drive the deals, drive the deals, help the customers make more money, 
get more leads, move the deals through the sales cycle faster, um, and you know, train the salespeople, educate the salespeople, enable them to be more successful with the customers. Giles, Harrison here, I got a question for you. So we know sales and marketing, they don't always work always well together, right? And and I'm glad you brought up the big data and, and all of that with automation. So I noticed in your study that people actually think automation is doing worse now than what it was even a year ago, but yet we have more data than we've ever had in history. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, uh, I think Harrison, people aren't taking advantage of the data. One of the big trends that we're seeing, regardless of whether it's sales or marketing or HR or finance, is that um, people's ability to get meaningful data and, and really answer the questions about their part of the business and how they're performing is, is hampered. They're having to put in these sort of generic BI toolkits spend years integrating different technology platforms together to really see what's going on. You know, the, the sales tech and the MarTech space, as you guys know, is, is extremely crowded. There's sort of thousands of different vendors out there proposing to, you know, help you perform better and generate more leads and stuff like that. But you're basically asking a CMO or a head of sales to become a CIO in their spare time whilst trying to generate leads and close deals, you're expecting them to weld together, you know, 15 or 20 different systems um, to help them improve their team's performance. And that's a mission that they don't have time for, number one. It's a mission that they don't have the budget for, number two, because it's extremely expensive to negotiate with, you know, 15 different vendors, right? Um, and number three, the data that you're going to get from that is going to be completely disconnected. You're not going to be able to draw any of those inferences, which will highlight the areas where, you know, you are aligned and working well with sales and marketing or, you know, help you focus on the areas where you're not very well aligned. You can't draw those sorts of insights when you're relying on, you know, 15 different tech providers for your sales and marketing stack. So I think you know, that, that idea is slowly sinking in with people. And I think that's why we've still seen um, a strong feeling of, of disalignment between sales and marketing teams. So what do you see as a trend for 2017 to kind of help fix this issue? Well, I think the, the conversations that we're having um, indicate, I think more and more people are, are starting to slim down their tech stacks, which I think is a good thing. You know, we'll start with we'll start addressing one particular challenge for a customer. Maybe it's it's too difficult to configure and, and price and quote their products. Maybe they've got complex products or they're selling through a channel. So maybe their pain is initially focused around that. But at the same time, when we're having that conversation, you know, the sales operations leadership, the sales leadership, the marketing leadership, they also see areas where they're struggling. You know, we've got a problem with our marketing leads. We've also got a problem with the way we pay incentives. But right now we want to fix the way we quote our products. So they'll sort of, you know, land and expand type model. You'll, they'll try us out, if you will, see if we can do what we say we can do um, in one area. And then if that all goes well, they then tend to expand into, you know, three or four other adjacent areas. And 
Some people will go big bang. Some people do go big bang. Lenovo is a great example. They replaced six different systems um, with our platform. And I think more and more people are starting to think about doing that. You know, once they've established that they've, they've found a partner they can work with, they'll then trust that partner to take care of more of their customers' pains, more of their pains. So I think that trend is going to continue. I, I really do, because it, it's a waste of time and money to be trying to stitch together so-called best of breed applications. And often people call themselves best of breed uh, just because they do one thing. But as as we all know, just by doing one thing doesn't make you best of breed. So I think that is a as a trend that is going to affect the whole cloud industry, not just sales and marketers. Are you a marketing technology company looking to increase your market share? Contact Doug and his team at DK New Media for information on their public relations, search engine marketing, and content strategies, including a dedicated show on this podcast. Email info at dknewmedia.com. And Giles, is a major issue there that, that companies are winding up spending more time trying to move data between systems than they are actually utilizing the platforms? Yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. You're spending a lot of time trying to move the data between the different systems, trying to transform it, line it up, different IDs, you know, different database tables. It, it, it gets as granular as that. And you spend your time having those conversations rather than actually looking at a set of data um, and being able to drill down into it and figure out that you know, our biggest uh, area of, of commissions over payment, for example, is, is the, CP, the CPU division um, in North America, for example. You know, if, you, if you're having to triangulate between three or four different systems to kind of get to that information, you often find that they, they just don't end up getting there. They never really solve that problem. So I think it, it, it's a big issue. You spend too much time massaging, integrating, aligning data um, versus actually just kind of getting the insights as part of the application. And and do you see, I'm curious because it, it looks like uh, Collatus is definitely starting to edge into the marketing cloud. Um, do you see expansion for the company there? Yeah, Collatus has been in the, um, you know, we've been in the marketing space uh, for quite a few years now. We've got some 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 deep and unique technology, um, and I see us continuing to, to expand. You know, we've got an exciting new um, new version of the product coming out, and um, we believe that it's marketing as a tool, marketing automation is a tool that should be used by salespeople as well as marketers. So we want to have all the functionality that marketers expect and, and demand. But at the same time, you want it to be usable by sales. You know, if you're doing an event, you want your sales guys to follow up and, and send invitations, you know, on behalf of themselves. They always get better open rates and you get better success. You're trying to promote a new webinar. You want the sales guys to send out the invites. You get much more, um, you know, you get much better turnout that way. So there's loads of examples of where you want your sales guys engaged in the technology that marketing is using. After all, sales guys are often charged with prospecting themselves. It's not just relying on marketing to generate the leads and, you know, put them on a plate for sales, right? A lot of sales organizations are expected to prospect too. 
So why should the tools that marketing uses, why should they be constrained just to the realm of marketing? Why shouldn't sales be able to use it? You know, we have to make it a little bit more simple because these are very powerful tools and, and you know, you don't want to, you don't want the sales to inadvertently go and spam a hundred thousand contacts in your database, but that's easy to do. You know, you provide them a simple interface, embed it in the CRM um, and make it easy for the guys to use. And then you've got all the controls around it for your email throttling and keeping them on the straight and narrow just in case something went wrong. But it's to me, it's a no brainer. If I was in the field, I'd want to have the tools. I'd want to have the best tools at my disposal to help me prospect to hit my number. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And we've often said, you know, it's it's an amazing occurrence i think since digital media has rose you know to, to to such heights that marketers never used to actually be client facing you know it was always salespeople that were yeah. were were facing and and so sales you know sales put up with the you know working through negative issues with with prospects and and getting answering the tough questions while marketers often just massaged the brand and and just made sure the verbiage was there and and definitely you know uh helped sales from a documentation standpoint and support role standpoint but it's pretty fascinating to me how companies nowadays it, it, they've almost re, some of the companies have reversed those roles and said okay marketing is going to do all of our social media and marketing is going to do all of our digital media and here mm-hmm. they have this incredible sales staff that that already understands exactly how to speak to customers and has experience mm-hmm. there and and they put them on the on the bench and then they wonder why they're failing yeah it's um that's strange one to me. That's a strange one. I mean, I think, I think marketers have, have got the ability to be much more relevant. You know, the old days, as you say, of, of massaging the brand, um, creating some nice glossies and slicks and stuff like that. That's all behind us. And the, the, the biggest reason why that is, is because of the data. We can now measure the impact of marketing um, almost all the activities we carry out now, we can we can measure. You know, I think it was um, I think I saw it today. There was a a graph published or a report published of advertising revenues, and Facebook has now overtaken um, you know the traditional TV networks in terms of ad revenue. So it it's it's all shifting now, and and that shift from TV to digital, you know, that's much more measurable on digital, how our ads and our targets are performing and we get much better insight into our segmentation strategies and things like that. So I think it's the the, the fact that everything is so much more measurable now, the impact it has and, you know, it's correlation between the money you're spending and the results you're getting. It allows marketing to be much more effective and to have a seat at the table. I don't think it's I don't think it's to the diminishment of the role of a salesperson. I firmly believe it shouldn't be at the diminishment of, of the role of sales. It's just kind of having that person, you know, it's almost like sales was sort of sat at the dinner table and they were waiting, they were waiting for their wife and kids to show up. And, you know, one of the kids showed up, the wife was still on her way. Now with data coming, or sorry, now that everything's so much more measurable, you know, it's like finally everyone's together at the table um, and having a conversation about what needs to be what needs to be sorted to to grow the business. 
Are you a marketing technology company looking to increase your market share? Contact Doug and his team at DK New Media for information on their public relations, search engine marketing, and content strategies, including a dedicated show on this podcast. Email info at dknewmedia.com. And this is this this is not the first time. I, I mean, I think this is a this is just a fascinating conversation. I think it's something that that every organization, regardless of size, needs to hear. But even in 2015, according to the report, uh, and by the way, this is the the 2016 sales and marketing sentiment study uh, that Coladus did. It's it's an amazing report. You really do need to download it. We'll put a link to it um, on the marketing tech blog. But even a year ago, you were saying last year in your report that there had to be a framework of communications between sales and marketing in order in order to make anything work. And you, there was four conditions that you had on there that I think are worth mentioning again. Mutual respect between sales and marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, we've worked with those organizations where you know the leads are crap and, well, you're not using any of our branding material. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the and the war the war is on, and then um, mutual use of a common set of data. You know, again, it's absolutely incredible that you know uh, marketing departments will typically use you know persona data, demographics, firmographics, mm-hmm. um, but salespeople are utilizing CRM data and actual stats, and the two aren't talking to each other, and that's that's a, it's just a huge gap. Um, and then the next one was use of technology that encourages alignment and reinforces, you know, that there's no data silos out there. And then I, I love the last one was a full adoption of technology by sales and marketing personnel. And mm-hmm. I think and I think that, you know, maybe you can speak to um, some organizations are still in fact, you know, let's say I'll, I'll throw one out there and uh, hopefully I'm not throwing you a hardball here, but um you know, let's let's take a traditional industry like finance, where you know the the professional salespeople have hey they've been doing this for twenty years they know how to build relationships they understand how to do this. Can you speak to you know how technology is transforming some of these traditional you know sales and marketing companies' lives? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting and evolving. Uh, evolving trend and um, you know the sort of financial services finance industries they're going through a big shift and there are all these shifts going on in all the different industries there's nothing new there but one of the one of the the big shifts there is is the is the age of the people involved or rather the expectations of the people involved you know one part of the industry um it's like two thirds of um, the sales force is, is due to retire in the next few years, which which gives them a bit of a headache. But actually, if you if you dig a little bit deeper, it's, it's got nothing to do with um, it, it, it. It's not biased towards a particular age group. It's just there seems to have been a uh, there was actually a, it was a complete misunderstanding. It was an assumption made by one company which was completely wrong as they found out but they assumed that um you know their current generation of 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 sales staff wouldn't embrace mobile technology they assumed it was a generational thing and they assumed wrong um the issue was that they weren't providing meaningful useful tools to interface with their organization so they kind of defeated themselves before 
you know, before they even started, right? They assumed that the guys wouldn't get any value from it. So they didn't put any effort into it and didn't make the apps malleable. They didn't make it possible to interact with uh, their leads on their mobile devices. They didn't make it possible, you know, to, to send out approved marketing collateral from their mobile devices, things like that. So they kind of, um, they beat themselves before they even started. But there's all these trends and shifts going on which is driving people more towards technology, even in the most traditional industries. It's, it's, it, it would be wrong to predict that the face-to-face is, is going to disappear. And people have predicted that in the past, and they've been completely wrong. And I think people that predict that, again, will um, certainly for the foreseeable future continue to be completely wrong. But I think we're, we expect things now. We expect things to be immediate. You know, it used to be you'd go down to the record shop, you'd buy your CD and you'd get that new piece of music that you'd heard on the radio. Now, oh, I like that song. I'll just go and get it from Apple. You know, I'll get it from iTunes. I'll get it from Amazon Prime. That immediacy that is that is creeping into our lives more and more and more is is creeping into the experience and the expectations of the customers. So you're no longer competing with the bank down the road, the insurance company across the street, you no longer have to just be a little bit better than those guys in terms of the experience you offer your customers. You're competing with, you know, Apple iTunes, you're competing with Amazon.com, you're competing with whatever it is, you know, whatever was that great experience that you had as a customer, Uber, the Tesla, whatever, whatever that great experience you had, that's your competition now. That's what your customers expect. And you cannot avoid that. You cannot escape it. You have to embrace it. And you have to let the technology help you. The technology cannot be a silver bullet that will fix it all for you. But if you look at some of your current processes, speed makes up a big, big part of the customer experience. If you ask a customer what's really important to them, what makes a great experience, speed will come up more often than not. So at least you can make your current processes faster. At the very least, you can start to do that with automation and technology. But really what you want to do is kind of do that first step, level one, embrace the technology, and then think about, well, now I've got all these new channels. You know, I can actually introduce a new process to talk to my customers via social media, you know those sort of things. So it gives you an opportunity to kind of just improve immediately, but then also reset and think, this is an opportunity to change how I do business. And my customers are slowly expecting that. And if I don't give that to them, then they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, I heard I heard someone recently say that, you know, technology is, is basically invisible nowadays, that it really is all about the experience now. Yeah, I mean, I think... The technology, the technology becomes invisible when it's working well. Right, right. Yeah, you, you don't. Yeah. You, yeah, it becomes invisible when it's working well, and that's that's kind of where you want it. You don't you don't think right. I'm going to pick up my iPhone. I'm going to interact with this particular vendor on this channel. You just pick up what's most convenient for you at the time. You know. Absolutely. So back to the sales marketing sentiment study, which is awesome, by the way. I highly recommend anybody listening to this. We're going to have a link here on Marketing Tech Blog to this study. Uh, 
when it comes to the question of how satisfied people are in the performance of marketing if they're in sales or sales if they're in marketing, uh, one of the things I noticed is, at least in the very satisfied and satisfied, both went down from the previous year. Um, as we're coming up on this new year, right, we've got maybe some companies out there that are in a bit of chaos or a bit of worry. Uh, could you offer kind of three tips on how we can better bring together these sales and marketing teams? Yeah, I think it, it, it starts with it starts with revisiting your expectations, revisiting your expectations and your definitions. It, it sounds desperately dull, and I wish I had something more. <laughs> you know, gravitationally shifting and exciting to share with you, but it, it's, it is back to basics. You know, what, what are you expecting as a lead in sales? What does that look like to you? What, what are the characteristics of a, of a good prospect that you're going after and how does that change per industry? So you need to sort of revisit that, but then also you need to revisit the expectations of, of marketing. Okay. So if we're going to, if we're going to try and generate these sorts of leads, we need the commitment from you that you're going to follow up on them within this period of time and you're going to make the six touches we know it takes to get the conversation going because we can see from, you know, we can see from our systems that you're only having one or two touches and then giving up. That's just simply not good enough. And, you know, we all have to answer to, we all have to answer to the data ourselves, right? And what I mean by that is is the the money we're spending and the results we're getting. We all have to answer to that. And if you're going to try and be successful in marketing, you need to show results. And so if you're generating leads, you need the sales guys to advance those. You need them to turn into pipeline. And really, you need them to turn into revenue. So you have a you have an expectation and you should have the expectation of your sales partners uh, that they will do all they can with the leads that you provide them and their expectation of you should be well here are the types of leads that i want don't give me stuff that's you know don't give me abc at gmail.com leads give me fred smith senior director of finance at comcast give me those leads and i'll call them all day long so you have to kind of get back to basics get on the same page agree on what it is you're looking for um, and agree on how you're going to follow up. And then I think the other thing you can start to do is be a bit more proactive. And you can engage with the field and sort of present a menu of of options and, and programs that you can run aligned to the campaigns that are already out there and really get them involved in the planning process and say, right, you know, what do you want us to focus on? What are the things that are resonating with your customers? So having that dialogue too is is absolutely essential. Involve them in the planning process. No, I love that. And then you know get them using the technology because then you can get the feedback in real time. You can see now with content portals, you can see if they're using the content that you're providing. You can see if the leads are being followed up on. So you've got the tools at your disposal. And it appeared it appeared in the in the study as well that sales forecasting is getting much and much better and and, and sales teams are seeing much more uh, accurate sales forecasts from from systems like Calidus as well. Correct? Yeah, and actually, it's um it's that's very timely. We just um, acquired a company called DataHug, who uh, specialize in um, machine learning and predictive forecasts and relationship intelligence. So kind of mining your CRM data. And uh, based on who your salespeople 
are interacting with the titles and their propensity to buy based on historical data, they can start to triangulate your forecast and go, well, you know, Fred here is calling this at a million dollars in Q2, but he's not talking to the people that we know from the data are the ones that are going to make the decision. So, you know, we're going to red flag this. And next time you're sitting down with Fred in your coaching session, here's an action for you to discuss with him and um, get him to go find the decision maker. It's giving that kind of insight and that sort of prediction on the success of the sales cycle. And 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 I, I think nothing makes a salesperson more happier than when you tell them how to do something and what to expect with the results and then they hit those results. Well, they love it because it keeps um, it, it keeps their sales managers off their backs. You know, the sales manager that's sticking his nose into <laughs> um, this deal and asking her what's going on with this account. You know, you know the sales the salespeople hate that. They don't like it. So if they've got the scorecards in front of them, they've got that data that gives the sales manager a bit more comfort. Then, you know, they they're leaving them alone where they need to be left alone, and they're just focusing on where they need help. And, and that's what salespeople want. Yeah, I love it. So back to basics, build more trust and to be proactive, right? Yes. Uh, and knowing those three things, where should organizations invest in marketing for 2017 in order to drive that revenue? Drive that revenue? Well, I think a lot of it is getting more of that data accessible, putting the platforms in place that make it easy to see what's going on and have salespeople able to be working off the same platform as marketing so you can truly see what's going on. You know, if you think about um, the idea of personalization at scale, which is something obviously that marketers struggle with but strive for, if you're sending out content from one repository in your email campaigns, you're serving up content through digital ads from another repository, you're expecting your sales guys to pull from another repository. How can you get that personalization? How can you really see what it is that the customer is reading, what you should be sending them next, um, and what is really resonating? So that's that's kind of one of the examples of this idea of a common platform. You know, if you can get everybody on the same page using the same prospecting platform, using the same content platform you're going to be able to see some incredible insights that are really going to transform um, the alignment and thus the results and performance of sales and marketing. So invest in Colatus Cloud. <laughs> well, there you go. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on that tactical side, I, I do want to uh, tell everybody, um, uh, spelling uh, is C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S, uh, cloud.com. Um, and, and, uh, Giles, just, just for tactical, are you integrated across, uh, CRM systems? I know obviously you're a big player with Salesforce. Yeah, we're a very big player with, um, Salesforce, Microsoft, SAP, Oracle, Sugar. Yeah. Fantastic. And if you go to the website, obviously you can contact them, schedule a demo. They have an incredible array of resources there. Uh, Giles, I, I just want to thank you very much for, uh, you know, exposing our audience to this. Uh, as I said before, we, we will put a link to download the report on the Marketing Tech Blog. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today to speak to us. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Thanks very much for having me.
Subscribe online at marketingtechblog.com. Subscribe to our email, download our app, or follow us on social media.